You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Greetings and salutations. Thanks for joining me for another blunt business here on CannabisRadio.com. My next guest runs a new startup company that seeks to become a pan-African vertically integrated cannabis company that not only leverages Africa's prime position as a low-cost producer of quality cannabis-related products, but also brings African or continental or diaspora brands to the global market and joining me right now is the ceo of helios afro helios yes, afro helios. helios global darren hickman here on blunt business uh you're joining us from south Africa. yes i'm in cape town at the moment so it's it's uh late afternoon here in my town right and uh, thank you again for making time glad to have you also uh, have you join us in, our, in your busy schedule um Let's go ahead and talk about this because it's really it's a fascinating idea where, again, to go ahead and talk about different continents. We might have talked about cannabis when it comes to Australia or when it comes to Asia or Europe or South America, but we have not talked extensively about Africa. And so I'm really interested about that today. So let's go ahead and, and thank you for making uh, it's really just having this opportunity to learn about what that market's all about sure. here on the program. So. Afrohelios Global is a full-value chain-focused South African, Southern African producer, processor, and distributor headquartered in Bethesda, Maryland, with active offices <clears throat> in Cape Town, South Africa, and Masuru, Lesotho. The team has a combined 60 years of corporate finance, agribusiness, and project management industry expertise. So obviously you have the wherewithal with a lot of different pieces of uh, the business needed to cover this market. So talk to me about the origins of setting up the cannabis market, not just South Africa. We want to go make sure to put the distinction Southern Africa and what kind of obstacles you've had. Sure, along so way. not a problem at all. Uh, again, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about the growth of the industry on the continent. Because as you said, uh, to a large degree, it's not been you know part of the, the global discourse about you know the, the cannabis industry. 
And I think it's a big mistake because I think out of most all of the continents, Africa is probably, particularly Southern Africa more specifically, is well positioned to be um, extremely competitive, particularly with low production cost on the continent. It has a distinct advantage when it comes to uh, the climate, uh, years, generations literally of cannabis uh, cultivation experience on the ground here, labor cost. And so, you know, we saw an opportunity, Afrohelio saw an opportunity um, to really build out, you know, a pan-African vertically integrated cannabis business. Uh, we got our first license in Lesotho. So we, we got a license to uh, cultivate ranging from hemp, medicinal, um, sorry, were you going to say something? No, I want to go and jump in about Lesotho a little bit later on because of the licenses yes. that you got. So I want to tap into that a okay. little bit later on. What I was wanting to go through as well, there are a couple of new uh, stories that have come out recently uh, when it comes to cannabis and hemp that are fascinating. So in South Africa alone, let's so just like focus there, that right now we're learning about that there's a new draft cannabis master plan <clears throat> from the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform, and Rural Development. And <clears throat> in the plan of priorities is the signing of the Cannabis for Private Purposes Bill into law within the 2022-2023 financial right. year. And now in South Africa, that's in the next two years we can get that coming in. As for hemp, you have now a hemp program that's in place that can be as start initiated as early as 2023. So in the most popular, not so much popular, but the most modernized country, I would imagine, you're getting that kind of direction, which would obviously then go ahead and spread throughout the rest right. of that area. Right. Yeah. So essentially what's happening in South Africa, South Africa was the first country, in fact, to decriminalize the use of cannabis. They did that just about uh, 2017. They did that. They were the first ones to do it. They decriminalized it, but what they did not do is create any regulation for the commercialization of cannabis. You know, so it's still illegal to buy and sell cannabis products in South Africa. They're in the process right now of... Now, as you indicated, kind of reconciling the legislation and building it out in a way that will allow for, you know, not just the medicinal usage, because it's already medicinally, you can access cannabis in South Africa, medicinally, although the take up has been quite low. Um, in this new legislation, they're going to be focusing on, you know, legalizing it, rec recreational usage of cannabis. And so there, there's, you know, quite a bit of effort going into that. It's taking longer than we would have hoped. Uh, in fact, back in 2017, when they first decriminalized it, the goal was to actually by now, you know, have that that framework, that legislative framework done. Uh, but it's taking a little bit longer. But as you said, you know, South Africa has you know the most modern economy on the continent, and in fact, right now it's the only country that is a part of the Pharmaceutical Inspection Convention. So it gives it a, a distinct advantage when it comes to exporting kind of GMP certified uh, output. Right now, you know, we have license Lesotho, but because they're not part of the PIC, you can't get GMP certification. So if you're trying to access those markets, you still have to go through your processing in South Africa in order to do that. Um, but South Africa is ahead of the, the curve there. And, and so it just to, as a context right there, in the story I'm reading from hemptoday.net, this story just came out today as I'm, I was uh, reporting through this today. Uh, the rescheduling. This is already this release of this national cannabis master plan follows the re government's rescheduling of CBD and THC in May 2020 through the amendment of previous drug laws, exemption of industrial hemp from medical control under a 0.2 percent THC mm -hmm. guideline, and this change also after a landmark constitutional court judgment 
in September 2018, which you're referencing, ruling the use, possession, and cultivation of cannabis in private dwellings for personal use was not illegal and should be allowed right. in South Africa. So glad to see this is kind of going along, but they're seeing what other countries are doing, and it's kind of just following suit. And really, to try to create some kind of revenue, and of course, exactly. obviously tax revenue, and really to help boost the economy in this area, and hopefully the same thing could be done in other areas because we see what it's done in other areas. Now, the other thing that's been really important is what your team's been able to do. You recently announced a launch of $450,000 in a seed capital round campaign, right. U.S. dollars, by the way, and you also democratize access to cannabis-related investment for communities who've been historically mm-hmm. marginalized by the industry. And because of this, this is what you said. I want to read a quote from you. I thought it was very important. Quote, the crowdfunding platform is very useful for this round of capital raise in particular, as it allows greater individual investment participation. There was a critical need to include the African uh-huh. diaspora and friends of Africa to both to ensure social equity and the burgeoning and highly profitable global cannabis industry market. It also fits well with our inclusive distribution strategy, whereby Afrihelios will supply major urban cannabis retail markets in the U.S., including Oakland, Detroit, Atlanta, and Newark, directly from production centers in Masuru, Lesotho, and other parts of the region. That's amazing. So the scope of this campaign, the expectations you're using, take me, wrap my head around what you've been doing here from the funding to be able to go ahead and export cannabis to these Sure. You know, you've touched on some of the key factors. First of all, you know, social equity and just, you know, the whole concept of shared value throughout, you know, the value chain is critical to you know who we are in our business model. You know, we understand the history of cannabis and some of the issues and, you know, how certain communities were particularly, you know, targeted with respect to that criminalization. And we want to be drivers of change. And then on the African continent, we want to make sure that you know, there's a new way of doing business with these agricultural and kind of extractive industries because for a long time, um, the way it worked is that, you know, these the agriculture or these various extracts, they, the raw materials were taken out of the continent uh, with no value added to it, which didn't help the tax base, as you alluded to, and value was added, you know, subsequent when it reached the market. We want to do as much of that value addition as, you know, economically possible here on the continent to benefit you know, the local community, the, the tax base, uh, jobs, training. So that's very important to us. And you, you mentioned you know, the capital raising, like the crowdfunding. You know, particularly with opportunities in Africa, to a large degree, they've only been accessible to you know, your accredited investor. You know, those who make you know, you know, 200,000 individually or $300,000 as a family, and they haven't been able to access these. And so we saw a chance here through the crowdfunding to bring this, you know, this cannabis industry opportunity to people who traditionally didn't have access to it. Because there's a lot of pent up demand around these kinds of investments. And so we wanted to make sure that we could, you know, really do our part to you know, satisfy and access, you know, that pent up demand in the market, in, in the U.S. particular. It's amazing you were able to get the capital in a market, in a market in the continent of Africa like that. Plus, the other thing I would imagine is when you're trying to go and service those urban markets and you're trying to bring that cannabis that's exported, the branding opportunities, the say, you know, exported oh. from Africa, the idea that that's going to just be the extra appeal. Look, we are helping our ancestors. Mm-hmm. We're helping our heritage grow and thrive from it. So, again, it's that personal thought of, you know, giving back. Again, that's a different – you know what? 
everybody wants to talk about social equity. You know, when everybody, and this is where I think it's fascinating. You know, the term African Americans is still mm-hmm. pretty new to the black community for right. dec- the last few decades. But, I mean, you know, and there was a time there was an appreciation and there was a lot of a symbolism where people would be in yeah. certain dress or understanding or really trying to go visit and, you know, it, uh, celebrate and embrace mm-hmm. the culture. But then it's kind of been pulled away. And, and there's a, I think there's a lot of factors why that has happened. I mean, I don't know why, but again, everybody talks about social equity at home. Well, what about you know, yes. back, back home? The culture that you came from that you begat. You know, why you, not? You've touched on such an important point. It's part of the reason. Now, I'm even here, you know, I've been living on the continent for so long. It's really trying to bridge, you know, that African diaspora with the continent on a number of different levels. You've mentioned culturally just reconnecting and historically, you know, being an American of African descent and having my experience in America to, you know, a large degree driven by being an American of African descent. You know, there's a clear connection. I also feel like it's an opportunity to build a new economic power base. I think there's just so much economic opportunity on the continent as a market itself and also as just a source of, you know, exports to the rest of the world. And it it makes sense that, you know, we can skills here, you know, to the market to help grow these opportunities uh, to really help add value that benefit both the continent and, you know, African-Americans. You you talk about, you know, issues of wealth and, you know, that disparity in the United States, you know, in terms of African-Americans being so far behind in terms of wealth. I think being able to do business on the continent, building that bridge creates additional avenues to build wealth and and strengthen the community financially. So that's a very important part of what we're doing. Wonderful. We're going to go and hold on to that. Come back with Darren Hickman of Efrahelios Global here on Blunt Business. Back with more questions with him. Uh, We're going to go and talk about the current state of cannabis in Africa. We're going to delve into that a little bit more after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm back with Darren Hickman, the CEO of Afrohelios Global LLC here on Blunt Business. And prior to Afrohelios Global, Darren, i got to talk about your background. And I never really go much into people's (laughs) backgrounds because I'm not one of those programs that's like, well, tell us about how you got into cannabis. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the the startup and then build up. No, because you know what? We don't want to hear what. I mean, yeah, it might have been nice what you were doing at like five years old or when you came out of high school. Right. But I'm not doing that. I think we want to just go ahead. We have short attention spans. Let's roll all the way up to where you are right before you joined uh, and started doing Afrilios Global. So you have decades of experience in strategic business development to the Southern mm-hmm. Africa region from financial and medical backgrounds. I want to talk about the attachment you had to the region, yeah. your mission overall. For sure. Well, I think, you know, not to go back to, as you mentioned, you know, I'm five years old, but I think my attachment to Africa in many ways started when I was in university, in fact, in college. And, you know, during the late 80s, you know, give you a sense of my age, I'm over 50, uh, I was actively involved in yeah. the divestment. Can't tell. I'm watching on camera. I don't see yeah, that. I'm, I'm just saying. A couple years in the 50s. Good skin. Yeah, we don't, as they say, black don't crack. No, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I was active in the divestment movement. You know, when I was in college, and so I was one of those guys protesting, taking over student buildings and things of that nature. And I also went to school with um, wow. a couple of South Africans that were that had uh, been transfer students. And I have this indelible memory in my mind one morning, you know, that the morning that Mandela was released from prison. And I was living in the African Cultural Center, you know, on campus. And I just remember being awakened by, like, this stomping and th- that ululating sound. I'm not sure if you've ever heard it, but I can't even replicate it. It's a high-pitched and it was the South African students that yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah. celebrating that Mandela had just been released from prison. And I tell you, you know, even now I get goosebumps, you know, to see, you know, they, they were celebrating tears of joy. And that just stuck in my memory. And so, you know, it, South Africa ended up being a bit of a constant theme throughout. So after university, I joined a law firm in New York City, Paul Weiss Rifkin, during the transition period. And they were exchanging South African lawyers with American lawyers. And so I became great friends with a South African lawyer, uh, Italian South African, Marco Massadi. Introduced him to rugby in the United States. Um, and funny enough, years later, he's now, he's a great, huge private equity lawyer in the United States. And they have just bought a major rugby franchise back here in South Africa. But, but um, so there was that. And then when I went to business school to get my MBA, I had an internship in Vintuk, Namibia for, for three months with an American company that was doing business. And so, you know, I've always had, you know, I've had that connection. Then after I did the J.P. Morgan, I did the Wall Street thing for a little bit uh, with J.P. Morgan. You know, I felt that pull back to the region. You know, I was looking for a change and for something more meaningful to do. Well, when you're in a corporate environment, you well, want to go somewhere else. I, honestly, sometimes. I was, exactly, <laughs> I, know I that became feeling. disillusioned. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed a lot of what I was doing because I helped J.P. Morgan start their sports entertainment right. group back then that was working with professional athletes and helping yeah. them, you know, build, maintain the wealth, you know, that they were building. But it was still, you know, it was kind of Wall Street and corporate America, and I needed something different. 
And literally, I have a cousin who lived here in Johannesburg back in 2000. I flew over for his wedding. It's amazing how when you get away from your day-to-day life, you get clarity. And literally on a bus trip with the family, yeah. I said, hey, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to quit, you know, go back home, quit my job, and I'm going to move here to South Africa and you know, start all over again. And that, that's literally what I did. Now, I did the banking thing for a little while when I first got here, and then I started you know, doing the entrepreneurial thing. And have been doing that since. So I got to unpack some of that. I I wish we could talk about J.P. Morgan and your and, and starting <laughs> yeah. the, the sports sector. I could go on for a while about that. That's a fascinating area. Yeah, but I only got thirty minutes now. <clears throat> first of all, apartheid mm-hmm. was a catalyst early on for you to go ahead and and that's your activism. That is your passion. That was your drive to go into what you're doing. And then this, honestly, what I really loved about going through your experience was just the wealth of knowledge that you accrued. After mm. all this time, again, medical, financial, MBA coming into the space. And obviously you have all this wealth to come in and the wherewithal and the resources, the people you can network with that you could go ahead and persuade to go ahead mm-hmm. and come to the subcontinent and to come help in this effort, which is obviously how you've been able to go and connect this network of people to. Correct. Correct. You know, that's been a major thing is trying to connect that network, having you know built that network back in the United States, having been on the ground. You know, I've been here living here kind of back and forth for 20 years. I spent a few years back in the U.S. building a business there. But for the last 20 years, most of it, I've been here in in Southern Africa. And so I've got that experience across a range of industries. And so people trust my understanding, judgment, and knowledge of the region. And so I've become this great kind of connector between the U.S. and, you know, Southern Africa. And I'm leveraging it, you know, to the benefit of Afrohelios. Let's talk about the current state of of cannabis in Africa. And try to summarize as best as possible so that for those of you who are not aware, here's what I found out. <clears throat> There's a, a story from the article.com that gave a good comprehensive view. A number of African countries are tapping into the lucrative marijuana market, legalizing or relaxing laws on cannabis in the continent. From Uganda to Zimbabwe, there is growing interest in a valuable crop through exports following years of resistance, mostly from religious groups opposed to the right. drug's legalization. Malawi relaxed laws against cannabis growing and selling, joining around 10 other nations that have decriminalized marijuana for medical purposes. Zambia legalized marijuana production for export in December 2019. Lesotho was the first African country to legalize cannabis. So that's a a, a starting point right here for what you're doing, because then your company was awarded the initial license to to dispense or cultivate cannabis from the Kingdom of Lesotho's Ministry of Health to cultivate, process, package, and export cannabis-related products. You got the full yes. uh, got concierge the full. for that. To global markets from Masaru Lesotho. So talk about this breaking ground of this market, what Lesotho has done for you, the advantage of that, and you know, for companies like yours, how fertile is the ground to grow and expand in Africa sure. as a whole. Well, you know, I think well, first one one minor thing. Uh, we, yeah, we have our license in Lesotho, but we we didn't get the first license. Um, another company got the first license. We got ours in 2019. The first license was issued um, in 2018, uh-huh. I believe. Um, but we were amongst the first crew group of people. Right to distinguish first African country to legalize, but you were given yes. your initial license, not yes. The our, first our first license. Li- our it. initial license was in Lesotho. Um, you know, so we got the. I blame the article.com for a little bit of, you know, a little bit of. (laughs) (laughs) Please go ahead. But, um, so yeah, we've got a license, as you said, quite broad opportunity in terms of what we can do. You know, 
honestly, the only thing we really can't do is just sell in Lesotho. Otherwise, in terms of you know cannabis and hemp products, we can pretty much cultivate what we want, manufacturing process, we can pretty much do it all there in Lesotho. Um, so that, that's been great for us to have that kind of breadth in order to, you know, to have those, those options you know, going forward. So you know, that's our first license. We're working on, um, we're in discussions now with a couple of other countries trying to pursue some opportunities there also as they're, they're evolving. Um, we have not yet, we have not yet put our first seed in the ground because we're still, as you mentioned, we're still in our um, capital raised stage. Although we, we got our license at the right. end of 2019, what happened, as, as you probably know, is right around that time, you know, the, there was that market correction. And, you know, there was, you know, quite a bit of, you know, it's quite tumultuous in the industry, which is tough when you're beginning a capital raise uh, exercise. And then, of course, the huge one that hit us, you know, the pandemic. And so it set us back quite a bit. So, right. you know, we had planned to, uh, you know, fly across and do our road show in the U.S. and, you know, you know leverage those networks and raise capital. But it set us back a bit. Um, right. But you know what? The great thing about that, there's a reason for everything, is that setback caused us to t take a step back and re-envision not just our capital raise strategy, but our overall business strategy. And so subsequently, we, we pivoted in terms of, you know, our, you know, our strategic growth um, plan, you know, br bringing in the crowdfunding uh, aspect of our raise was also in part a function of having to pivot um, because originally we were just going to go down a traditional market hey, let's go raise the capital, get this thing you know, off the ground. But as we had a little bit more time to you know, think about it, you know, we saw this opportunity. Hey, wait a second. Now, if we crowdfund, we can make this available to people who previously would have never even heard of this opportunity. So, you know, that's been... Well, I want to know how you pitched it. I want to know how you pitched it all together and you were able to get anybody persuaded. Who did you have to reach out to that were going to be... Uh, Mm -hmm. They were going to be curious, and they sure. were going to be receptive. No, I think the, the first market, the first segment that we went after, there is, believe it or not, there is a fairly large segment of not just in America, but even in um, the UK and Europe, because we've got investors out of the UK in our company also, um, that right. have had an interest in the African continent for quite a while. Some culturally, some are considering repatriation and you know just kind of picking up and moving back to the continent. And others just see the value, you know, of, you know, African-themed opportunities. Others see the growing influence, you know, culturally of Africa. You know, things like, I hate to refer to Hollywood, things like the like Black Panther really did kind of bring African yeah. themes, you know, to the forefront of the zeitgeist, and, you know, to the American uh, mindset. And so there are a lot of people started looking. Uh, two years ago, there was called the Year of Return, where Ghana you know, just brought back literally thousands of African-Americans to visit the continent. So there's this growing interest. And so all we had to do is really kind of tap into that existing interest in the continent. And then you combine that with obviously, you know, the cannabis industry and just the, you know, exponential growth that's happening. You know, you bring those two themes together and then you kind of throw in a dash of, hey, have you noticed people like Jay-Z, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Dogg, those guys are all launching, you know, their own kind of cannabis brands. Clearly, there's an opportunity in this market. We are looking to leverage Africa's advantage and introduce that into, you know, the United States and the rest of the global market. And it's, it's resonating. It's resonating. People see the opportunity. 
and that's the whole thing. I mean, they're obviously they're building new brands in a yes. very saturated market. But the chance to go and say, let's great brown and mm, differentiator. And here's the best part. And, I, and Darren, I got to put this point because there's nothing I, I wanted to make mention of. Because, and I now understand yes. it's Lesotho. <laughs> and I said it wrong for years. And I'm sorry about that to the country of Lesotho. Can I, I say apologize. something quickly before you move I mean, on? Honestly, Don't sincerely. feel bad. I've sure. got uh, a, a colleague who's been living in Africa and Namibia and is actively involved in Lesotho and still says Lesotho. I don't get how he does it, but don't feel bad. <laughs> a lot of people still do it. <laughs> it, it. Right. No, I understand. But here's the thing is that Lesotho is a st really, it, you talk about a, a ground zero for showing how well cannabis can do successfully in Africa because of the fact that worldbank.org actually mentions how that the economic performance in the country has been negatively affected by sluggish mm -hmm. global economic growth and a major downturn in both emerging markets and advanced right. economies. GDP growth is about 1.6% as of 2015-2019, also negatively impacted right. by COVID-19. And in the medium term, there are projects that are being going on, boosted by green energy projects and you know some other government initiatives to reinforce financial inclusion. But it's not enough. And then also, unemployment, 23%. National poverty rate is around 56 or maybe 49% right now. And, uh, again, this company, this country, if cannabis is brought now with the opportunity that the kingdom has provided you and how quickly that all those economic problems can be turned around if you're able to grow. But now the one thing I also want to ask about because of this area in particular because in some other areas in Africa will be the same thing. The country is mountainous and landlocked. The, the yeah. idea is that the environment on what to grow and how to cultivate, what will be the environment of that when you initially start that first Well, I, I think it is It is landlocked. Um, it's obviously ring-fenced by South Africa on all sides, but that doesn't present a problem. And it is a mountainous region, but in many ways that's, that's an advantage. I think there's a couple of things that, about Lesotho that's advantageous. One, it gets on average 300 days of sun, which provides you know, great sun for growing. Uh, and in fact, the name Afrihelios is in fact an outgrowth of the 300 days of sun. So Afri is just plain Afri, and Helios is the Greek word for sun. And so that's a distinct advantage. Well, the reason I bring up landlock is the fact that it's, I, mean, I don't know what your irrigation efforts are going to be or the you know access to water or what kind of a resources to go and tap in from plus are you going to be doing anything where this will be more of a greenhouse with a solar a solar paneling kind of project so that you can, can control the amount of sun that's coming in or will it just be a direct no, it's going to be a greenhouse grow? it's going to be a greenhouse grow um as you said with solar panels to control the amount of sun and in terms of those critical resources like water and electricity um that's one of, another advantage of being in the situ is that in terms of water and electricity they've got great access to it they've got a dam there that you know shores that it's got you know more than enough electricity it's cheaper than almost any other place in southern africa and then there's access to more than enough water so we won't from you know, from that perspective it, it's actually great for us compared to a lot of other african countries that where access to those things are, are much more uneven and then you know the road network is uh is pretty strong and then because you know we'll have to go through south africa obviously the infrastructure in South Africa is is amazing. And so when you marry those teams together, it's great. Now, what about the export possibilities? When you're looking mm -hmm. to export it out, 
Talk to me about the transportation. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you, you truck it from, you can truck it, you know, into South Africa or um, into, or you can truck it into Maseru, fly it into South Africa. Um, so it depends if we're going to be processing, we'll fly pro probably into Cape Town, uh, where our partner is, Af Afriplex, that's going to be doing our processing. Um, they do the processing. And then, you know, the, the export, the trade infrastructure in South Africa is, is world class. So we won't have any problems with respect to that, the transport issue at all. I'm only bringing this up, and I appreciate, uh, sorry, no, sorry to cut you off a little bit before, on Afrohelios and, and just the, the, the naming. I want to get that from you again. But it, what I'm getting from this is the fact that, I mean, again, we're seeing what there's been in South Africa. But if Lesotho mm -hmm. becomes the hub, that spreads out, and then, you know, again, this resonates, and other countries would follow suit. That's what happens. Is the, the key that picks the lock. That's what we're waiting for right here. Real quickly, I, and I, you were mentioning Kingdom of the Sun. Give me the name of where the origin of Afrohelios came from again. Sure. Um, Afrohelios, we came about, came through that name. Uh, we wanted, you know, we have the 300 days of sun, you know, average in Lesotho. And that's such a, you know, key yeah. factor. And as we were thinking about what's going to be a good name, you know, it kept coming up and it kept coming up. And, you know, we, we looked at the name Afrohelios. We didn't want to be, you know, with Afri being A-F-R-I. That was kind of too on the nose and too obvious. Um so we went with, you know, yeah. a play on it, something a little bit different. So this the A-P-H-R-I, but yeah, it's a little bit, <laughs> yeah. you know, cheeky, yeah. to be honest. Um, and then in Helios, in Helios is the Greek word um, for sun. So we combined those two words, you know, together to create Afrohelios Global. That's how we came, came to the name. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. So I want to go to another commercial break. I want to go ahead and talk a little more about what's going on in Africa. And more specific, what's happening in the northern part of the country. Uh, quite a few things that are happening about legalization efforts there. We'll talk about that again with the CEO of Afrohelios Global, LLC, Darren Hickman. Uh, by the way, the website is afrohelios.com, A-P-H-R-I-H-E-L-I-O-S.com. You now know what it means. <laughs> Take a look at the website as we go to break. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. 
Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm back with final questions with Darren Hickman, CEO of Afrohelios Global here on Blunt Business. Uh, Darren, more recently, the Moroccan government has approved the bill authorizing the medical, cosmetic, and industrial use of cannabis. Cosmetic. Yeah. South Africa and Egypt have been working on legalization mm-hmm. efforts there. So, again, it's the whole continent is finding that there, obviously there's there are some governments that are looking into it. And, you know, talk to me about the uh, really what's the the motivation with the outpost or the you know the uh modus operandi for all these nations now considering legalization and what advantages they might get from it in the room yeah of the uh, that, that's a great question now i think the other african countries are you know starting to hop on the bus you know they've seen the buzz <laughs> that's being created with lesotho you know legalizing you know south africa decriminalizing uh, malawi it just issued 86 uh, new licenses recently um, in that country, um, Zimbabwe, Zambia are all kind of going through that process. So I think a lot of other countries uh, see the opportunity to really help, you know, build out their their tax base. I think that's the initial driver that's making a lot of countries look at it. Um, so they're beginning to consider it, and I do think you'll see a process similar to what you saw in South Africa, where they actually. No, let me take a step back. Lesotho, probably, probably more like Lesotho, where first you'll see, mm-hmm. you know, the commer- commercialization, legalization of the commercialization of it for export purposes. Uh, because there's still quite, whether it be, you know, Islam in some of the northern, you know, uh, African countries or, you know, Christianity in some of the, the southern African countries, religion is still an influential factor in terms of legislation. And there's pushback. There's still pushback on the recreational use of, of cannabis you know, on the continent. So I think what will happen is you'll see first, you know, legalization for, you know, export. Then over time, as I think people get more familiar with it, then you'll start seeing, you know, decriminalization and the the ability to use it recreationally and internally and then build an internal consumer market over time. That's what I see. And in fact, if you ask me, the, the best opportunity really is going to be the continent itself. You know, in the short run, yes, we're focusing on export, you know, to the U.S. market, you know, the European markets, because those are currently the bigger markets. But over time, Africa, if you ask me, is going to be the largest, probably the largest continental market uh, to chase. It's got it's got the fastest growing population. It's got the youngest population, the fastest growing middle class. Um, the population is going to double by 2050. By 2050. Um, and so it's going to be a huge consumer market. So we're also making sure that we position ourselves, you know, uh, 
to really you know, focus on Africa for consumption, not just for cultivation, processing, and export. And what can you tell me about the quality of the plant that's going to be that's going to be cultivated and grown? Uh, because if you're exporting, the level of compliance that will be needed or any kind of issues of obviously you can grow organic. You can obviously put a lot of things into place. I'm just wondering if there's anything about uh, controlling the quality of the plant if it's going to be exported. What kind of expectations are needed? Yeah, on for that? sure. So with respect to you know cultivation, obviously you know our goal is going to be to become GACP certified, you know as soon as possible, um, so that we have that you know that world class cultivation operation. That's critical for us because we really want to change the perception. I think many people have in terms of Africa and how things get done. You know, we want to reinforce that you know, Africa can produce world-class quality products and output. So that's going to be you know, fundamental to our business model. And then, you know, obviously with, you know, GMP certification, that's going to be the next thing. So it's going to be first getting that GACP. And then, you know, as we start getting into uh, our own kind of extraction and you know, processing, making sure that our, op our operations are GMP certified so that we can access, you know, those markets that require that. When I preface in the first break about the story about the, the national cannabis bill that's being put, the mm -hmm. master plan, if you will, you know, they mentioned that cannabis looks like it's going to get up and going before hemp does. But I'm surprised that hemp wouldn't be much, would be much more accepted or, or given more access and being produced in that country, in that area as well. I would imagine it would be grown. Well, yeah, hemp is being grown also. And in fact, you know, hemp, hemp derived products, CBD products are already legal in South Africa. So that market is open oh. already. I think the challenge in South Africa specifically is that it's still, you know, the products are still expensive. There's, you know, people growing hemp and CBD for export, but in terms of the internal consumption market, um, it's really only accept accessible to a small percentage of the population at, at this point in time, because it's still quite expensive as a product. You know, there's a premium price on it. Now, I think oh. they're going through, you know, that, that traditional kind of product Pricing. You know, you want to first skim off your early adopters who are willing to pay a premium mm -hmm. for a product. And then once that market begins to slow down, then you begin moving, you know, slowly down until you get to the, you know, the value products where the more, you know, the more accessible to right. the rest of the market. Right. Uh, there are some other factors that are going into it also. Uh, there's still not yet a huge um, local manufacturing industry. So unfortunately, a lot of the products, believe it or not, that are here in the CBD space are imported, you know, from from Europe and the U.S. And also, just only uh, just a curiosity, uh, what's the status of uh, say homegrown? If people want to legal. do it from their homes, is that something that, that's, that's legal? Um, you know how common it is. I'm not really sure. You know what that data is because they're still trying to accumulate it because it's still so fairly new. Um, but you're finding more and more people are growing it. You hear, um, you hear a lot of people talking amongst themselves. Yeah, I've got my plant um, in my backyard, a couple of plants. So a lot of people are beginning to do that. And you're finding these, these clubs, people are trying to find that gray area because it's legal to grow, you know, for personal use. It's legal mm -hmm. to consume at home or in, the pri in private. And so there are these clubs that are popping up now where you know they effectively grow for you, um, yeah, they grow for oh, you out okay. of fee, and you're able to you know partake there in that club. It's still kind of gray, and there's you know some pressure from the government to to stop it, but you, you're seeing a lot of kind of creative entrepreneurship in, in that space. So 
in Lesotho, when you have the cultivation and all the the access that you have now that the king has provided, the other thing I want to ask is about, you know, where do you go into obviously exporting for market, but what about marketing in the country itself? I mean, could you see dispensaries popping up somewhere where you have cannabis that's available to go ahead and be purchased? That reasonably? eventually that's going to happen. I, I think once, as you mentioned, that that national plan. I think once that's bedded down. Um, we have they haven't come out with any details yet, obviously, but I think you're going to see dispensaries popping up, you know, all over the country, um, and in a country like South Africa, where you know coming back to that social equity thing is very important. Uh, you're going to see a lot of focus on making sure that you know there's social equity in that industry also in South Africa, so that you know communities that have previously seen you know right. disadvantaged because of uh, apartheid have access to this this new industry. Right. So the idea is that the amount of licenses that are being doled out, you're obviously going to have more of a equitable social equity there than you would have in America or in other, oh, yeah. in other areas. Yeah, definitely compared to the U.S., there will be a lot more, in part just because of, you know, the populate, the, you know, the voting population is different here than it is in, in the United States. So in, in South Africa, you know, the ANC has been in power since the end of apartheid. And so, you know, a core, um, a linchpin of their whole uh, platform is what's called BE or Black Economic Empowerment. And so they have been making an effort as much as possible to give opportunities to you know, up and coming entrepreneurs of color you know, to benefit. And that's why I don't get where, you know, and that's really maybe just being stupid. I don't it sounds like it's so simple, but why there are not more entrepreneurs from America that, you know, okay, you're trying to do things if you're mm -hmm. a black entrepreneur, yes. you're a minority in America, you're the overwhelming majority in Africa. Why not try to go ahead and build and emerge in a market that's going to be growing right away? So for those that are uh, looking to get into cannabis, if you're having the trouble of trying to find social equity here in the States, then, you know, take your mm -hmm. investment I yeah. mean, if they can do that, invest yeah. in what you're doing, Darren, and what you're doing after Helios. Obviously, you know, you're investing, you're taking the seed rounds. Now, is that mindset pretty much the reason why some of the money has come in that you've been able to get That's some of it. In? For some people investing, they see an opportunity, as you said, to, you know, invest it and get that quote-unquote social equity because, you know, it's Africa, so everybody looks like like they do. Um, so that that is a, that's a right. major driver for a lot of the people that are investing is you know to be able to participate and you know, help develop the continent and again find a new economic base from which to to derive value you know yes the u.s has a lot of opportunities but it has also has a lot of hurdles and a lot of its own issues to overcome and that's not to say africa doesn't either because one of the big challenges uh, i think the reason you don't see more you know african americans making the move here is it's not the easiest thing to do first a lot of people just don't know about africa and they um, their perceptions are unfortunately based on you know inaccurate inaccurate media presentation of it and just not being educated so they think lion you know lions and things of that nature and you know famine comes to mind often versus you know places like johannesburg or right. santon that are world class cities um, so that's part of it and then even when you get over that hurdle, you know, making the move to create a sustainable lifestyle is not the easiest thing to do. Um, you know, I've been able to make it here for 20 years, but you know, there have been some times that we're, we're tough. You know, it hasn't hasn't always been easy. 
And I think yeah. it was my commitment, you know, to make me to work here uh, that allowed me to sustain it. But I've seen a number of, you know, African-Americans come over trying to make it happen and just kind of, you know, losing the motivation and heading back home because it's not the easiest. But we're trying but to make have, it easier. There's so much investment. Right. But there is so much investment capital that a lot of people that could go and bring over this way. I mean, it's different. Okay, for myself, if I wanted to be able to invest back in my where my uh, family came okay. from in Cuba, I can't because of the dictatorship. Right. There's no way it can be done right now. I would not want to go ahead mm-hmm. and contribute to that government. In Haiti, a lot of people that yeah. I know, good friends from Haiti, same thing. They're mm-hmm. under a dictatorship as well, and it's unfortunate because it's a beautiful country, right. beautiful people. So if you can't do it there, you know, if I knew that in Africa, if my ancestry came from there. You're not going to have you're going to have leaders that have not gotten to the point where listen they're trying mm-hmm. to bring their countries, uh, you know, from drowning in economic uh, issues, finding a way to go ahead and get forward. So they're mm-hmm. going to take the money. They're going to allow you to do what you want to do to let you grow because you're going to help raise all these countries exactly. one by one. Why wouldn't exactly. you want to do that? That's my pitch to those people that are listening to this program. Do this. Go ahead. If it's not through Afrohelios. Amen. Invest in Africa. Amen. Amen. I can't say amen yeah. enough to that. I mean, really, that's that's what we're trying to do. We're leveraging Afrohelios in many ways as a platform, obviously, you know, to get investment in our, in our company, but just to expose people yeah. to business opportunities on the ground here. Um, because there is a core group of African-Americans that are on the ground here and that have made it and have very well-developed relationships on the ground. And so what we've been trying to do is really start presenting these opportunities to people back in the U.S. to say, hey, this continent is is open for business. People don't realize six of the fastest growing economies are here on this continent. So it's, it's, it is literally the continent. Wow. Now, I've always been saying it's the continent of the future, but I think it's not just the future. It's starting right now. You've got to get in right now, and I think it's just going to be only upward from here. Now, we're excited about it. There we go. Absolutely. So now, really quick before we wrap things up, how can people go ahead and reach out to you? Obviously, I mentioned the website, afrohelios.com, A-P-H-R-I-H-E-L-I-O-S.com. But if they want to go ahead and work with you, if they want mm-hmm. to invest in your venture, and they want to learn more about what's going on in the, in the, in the continent, what can they sure. do? Well, can I think the first, you? That, like you said, the website is a great kind of clearinghouse. Go to our website. Because even in terms of those who are interested in investing, uh, once you get there, there's a button that you click. And depending on whether or not you're you know, an, a, an accredited investor, they'll take you to one page. And if you're more of a crowdfunding investor, it'll take you to our crowdfunding page. So definitely go to our website. It's a great source of um, information about us. But we're, we're also in social media. We're on you know, Facebook. We're on Instagram, um, LinkedIn. So you, you can go you know, to any of those social media platforms and also get some information about us and just find links to get more info you know about after helios well darren i hope we could follow your story we can keep talking to you about this and you know i'd love to go and see how far yes. you get along with this and keep talking to you about the market so i'd love to go and open the invitation for sure. I, i'd back. love to come back and tell you more because we do have a couple of some exciting things that are literally about to launch um we're moving into the branding space a lot sooner than we anticipated. We're front-loading that based on some short-term opportunities. And so we're, we're really, we've got some really exciting things in the pipeline within the next couple of weeks that we're going to be you know, coming to market with. So I'll definitely reach out to you and, and keep you in the loop around our evolution. Absolutely. 
Wonderful. Again, I've been here with Darren Hickman, CEO of Afrohelios Global. Thank you for opening our eyes and really giving us all this information. Really Thank you so much. You. I really appreciate you bringing me onto your platform. I, I, you know, I appreciate everything you're doing for the industry. And I really feel honored to share the platform with you. So thank you. Hey, my pleasure. And thank you, listeners, as always, for listening in. You got a lot of great information today. And for those of you, investment opportunity, it's a rising. Go ahead and take a look at it. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. And we're clear. That's it. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.